Greetings. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is the video series, The Biblical Principles Governing the Eyes. This is lesson number eight. And uh, this is uh, probably the first lesson uh, that we will start to get into the how-tos, the what-to-do's. What to the positive principles that will enable you and I, that enable you and I, when applied by the Spirit in our lives, by the grace of God, that enable us to truly walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And uh, this uh, first one is a little bit of a longer reading, but uh, I want to start with it. Psalms 101, beginning with verse 1. Uh, I will sing of mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. O when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath a high look and a proud heart will, I, will not I suffer. Mine eyes shall be upon the faithful of the land, that they, sh they may dwell with me. He that walketh in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. I will early destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all wicked doers from the city of the Lord. This is a song of David, and uh, he talks about his relationship with God, and he talks about both the things he will do and the things he's not going to do. Uh, his... his uh, the protections that he sets in his life by the help of God against those things he should not do and the protection he sets in his life to enable him to do the things that he should do. Now, I don't have the time in this lesson to go into all of the wonderful things that David talked to us about in Psalms 101 as the Holy Ghost spoke through him. But as the foundational principle of guarding the eyes. This is the title of this lesson, the foundational scriptural principle of guarding the eyes. Uh, I need to discuss with you one specific verse out of that context, and it is a very critical verse. Uh, in fact, we will be reading, it's a short verse, but we will be reading several translations just so that you get the full impact of it. Psalms 101, verse 3, David said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. The Amplified Version says, I will set no base or wicked thing before my eyes. I hate the work of them who turn aside from the right path. It shall not grasp hold of me. Why would they turn aside from the right path? Are they the ones turning people aside or are they themselves turned aside? If I look at this and say I hate the work of them, the life of them and what they do of them who were in the path but they turn aside from the path, 
and I'm not going to follow theirs, it's not going to grasp hold of me, then the question then becomes, what was it that led them out of the path? And he tells us that with his declaration at the beginning of the verse, I will set no base or wicked thing before mine eyes. Psalms 101 verse 3 uh, from the Young's Little Translation says, I set not before mine eyes a worthless thing. The work of those turning aside I have hated. It adhereth not to me. I'm going to not let their decisions with their eyes and the results of that stick to me. Uh, the New Living Translation says, I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. I hate all who deal crookedly. I have nothing to do with them. The Bible in basic English says, I will not put any evil thing before my eyes. I am against all turning to one side. I will not have it near me. The easy to read version says, I will not even look at anything shameful. I hate all wrongdoing. I want no part of it. God's word translation says, I will not put anything wicked in front of my eyes. I hate what unfaithful people do. I want no part of it. The New new Century Version says, I will not look at anything wicked. I hate those who turn against you. They will not be found near me. Darby's translation says, I will set no thing of Belial before my mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. The World English Bible says, I will set no vile thing before my eyes. I hate the deeds of faithless men. They will not cling to me. The Apologetic Study Bible says, I will not set anything godless before my eyes. I hate the doing of transgression. It will not cling to me. I'm not done yet. The Complete Jewish Bible says, I will not allow before my eyes any shameful thing. I hate those who act crookedly. What they do does not attract me. Uh, today's New English, New, excuse me, today's New International Version says, I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. I hate what faithless people do. I will have no part in it. The Holman Christian Standard Bible says, I will not set anything godless before my eyes. I hate the doing of transgression. It will not cling to me. And finally, the New International Reader's Version says, I won't look at anything that is evil. I hate the acts of people who aren't faithful to you. I don't even want people like that around me. Now, what a powerful message there is in those verses or that verse in those different translations. I think from the different translations, you would have to acknowledge that he's made a covenant or a choice with himself by the grace of God to be very careful what he lets in front of his eyes. Why? Because somehow in his experience, and the instruction of God, he understood that it was setting, allowing evil things to be set before their eyes that caused people to be unfaithful, to walk away from God, to act in an unfaithful way toward God. 
And he says, I don't want any part of that. That's the message of this verse. I've seen the way people have lived when they've allowed certain things in their lives. I've seen the end result of that. I don't want to have any part of that. So I'm not going to let myself be involved in what they were involved in. I will set nothing nothing evil or uh, godless or worthless it before my eyes. Notice what the uh, Hebrew word from uh, Complete Word Study Dictionary says uh, or, or means. The word set means a verb meaning to set, to put, to lay. It basically means to place or put something somewhere. In other words, he's not talking about that who through the course of life, as you go from point A to point B, you see this, you see that. He's not talking about something that sought you out. He's talking about something that I chose to allow to be set in front of me. The word set doesn't mean it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's stand. Uh, what am I trying to say? It's not, uh, uh, it's not stagnant. It's, it's, uh, it's not moving. It's not transient. Uh, it's not passing by. It is sitting there. In front of me. And he's saying, I'm not going to allow anything to sit in front of me that, that its content or its purpose or its goal is to get me to stray from God. You ever, you ever been, you ever played that game, Major Look? Major Look? Well, apparently, most everybody in airports these days plays made you look because both men and women are dressing in ways that people wouldn't even have considered being out of their house dressed like that years ago. And I've got to be honest with you. It feels to me like they're trying to play the game, but it's no game. Made you look, made you look. And and I, I sense that, I'm aware of that, and something comes over me and I go, I'm not playing that game. And so when I know that they know, I know they're there, I consciously, purposely look someplace else so they will know I'm consciously choosing to not look at you because you obviously want me to. Because the mirror would have told you before you left the house that people are going to notice this. Now, whatever your motive is in people noticing it, that's not the issue. But I don't need something I see causing a memory that triggers anything from my past that would cause me to react in a way I don't want to react. So, no, you didn't make me look. I don't want to see it. Now, I don't have a choice if I'm at an airport trying to get on an airplane. I don't have a choice. I just have, the only choice I have is to look someplace else. Bury my face in my iPad, reading or studying or whatever I'm doing, uh, or, or look someplace else or whatever. But I don't want the mental image of that in my brain because every mental image I have becomes a tattoo on my memory. I don't want that there. 
and I don't want to come under your power. This is my thought process. I, I'm not giving you the power to decide what's in my memory. That's my choice. If I make the choice, that's one thing. And I'm not giving you that power. But David's not talking about that. David is talking about, I'm not going to choose to set. It's not passing by. It's not transient. I'm not going to choose to allow something to be sitting in front of me that is negative. Now, obviously, with technology today, obviously, it's not the device, it's the content, to a degree. Unless you're always watching good content or reading good content on the device and you don't have time to pray and you don't have time to study, then that which has some potential for good becomes evil, not because it's evil, but because of my choices with it. Is it nice to know what's going on in other people's lives? Yes. But when it's all I do on social media, I have set that before my eyes. I've set it before my eyes. If I'm watching the news on a, a, a news app on my iPad. I've set that before my eyes. I don't have any control over what they show. Now, am I going to turn it off? Most people don't. Most people don't. So, when I look at the word set, it is not possible to consider the meaning of this Hebrew word without understanding that which undergirds its meaning, choice. David said, I will set no evil thing before my eyes. My choice. This word is not talking, again, I've been talking about this, but I'm reading now. This word is not talking about what comes across our field of vision randomly or coincidentally, quote unquote, coincidentally. No, this word specifically states that I made or will make a conscious, a choice, a conscious decision to look at something or someone. Therefore, our will is inseparable from what is set before our eyes. I can't blame that on anybody but me. And if I'm sitting someplace and somebody turns something on and it's not something that's going to edify my soul, it's my choice whether to sit there or get up and move. Furthermore, the consequences resulting from being influenced by what I'm looking at are my responsibility and mine alone. It's nobody else's fault. Again, if somebody puts something in front of me, it's my choice whether or not to look at it. Now, I don't have to have an attitude and judge them and just get, go off on them. That's between them and God. Every man's servant stands or falls to his own master. I don't have the right to judge another man's servant, but I got to judge this servant. By the grace of God, I got to judge this servant. And I know whether or not I'm pleasing God or not pleasing God while I'm sitting there. I know that. One rule, uh, I say rule, one principle. I don't, this is not about rules. I said that. One principle that God has given me that I practice. 
I, I don't want anything in front of my eyes that I can't pray uh, and fellowship with God while it's in front of my eyes. I don't want to see anything. I don't want to watch anything. I don't want to read anything. I don't want to be a part of any of that that I can't fellowship with God and ask his blessings upon me doing that. Now, that's a simple thing, but it doesn't take long to figure it out. Because if I'm sitting there watching and I can't pray while I'm watching, and I can't ask him to bless me watching it, I know really quick what I should be watching or should not, what I shouldn't. I know really, really, really quick. If I'm at all, if I've got any kind of integrity, which is internal honesty, integrity is honesty with myself. If I've got any kind of honesty, I know right away whether or not I should be watching that if I can't ask God to bless me watching it. Oh, praise God. So what, what does the word wicked here mean? Uh, the Hebrew word wicked. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Strong says the word means without profit, worthlessness, by extension, destruction, or wickedness. This word is not only translated in the King James wicked, ungodly, naughty, evil, but it's translated by the noun Belial, which is a synonym for Satan or devil. Uh, Brown Driver Briggs Hebrew lexicon says it means worthless, good for nothing, unprofitable, wicked, ruinous, or destructive. Uh, the complete word study dictionary says it means worthlessness, often has a strong moral comp component in the context and suggests the state of being good for nothing and therefore the expresses, expresses the concept of wickedness. Now that right there should tell us a lot. Something is wicked if it's good for nothing. If it's good for nothing, if it does not edify, if it does not benefit me spiritually, it is good for nothing. Now, there are natural things I do that benefit me spiritually. They're good for something. One of those things is exercise. Bodily exercise profiteth little. It didn't mean so little it's worthless. It just means in comparative comparison to spiritual exercise, bodily exercise is profitable to a significantly lower degree. But there is benefit. You say, well, uh, I don't believe we should work out. Well, <laughs> Jesus walked miles and miles and miles and miles every day. The only time we know of him not walking someplace was when he entered Jerusalem on the back of the donkey. Let me tell you what. You don't have to exercise if your mode of transportation every day is walking. So there is a health component of taking care of the body of Christ. This is the temple of the Holy Ghost in having some kind of exercise. But we can't, the, 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 Paul's teaching on it is that it's not supposed to be what we live for. It's not. So it is good for something, as long as it doesn't become our idol, our God. I heard a commentator the other day make a statement that this one particular city, their whole 
purpose in living was to see their city beat their football team to beat their rival team from a rival city. That was their, the most important thing in that city. It was a large city. You go, you're kidding me, right? The most important thing to that city is beating their rival football team. The most important thing in that city. Not all those people being killed by weapons. Not all the homeless. Not not all of that stuff. None, None of that. Not any deficit there might be in spending and taking care of things. Not the condition of the bridges or the roads. The most important thing in that city was their football team defeating the rival football team. Now, I don't even know if that qualifies as idolatry. That goes so far beyond simple idolatry, it's mind-boggling. So that's the question I need to ask myself. I need to ask myself, is what I'm doing worthless to my soul? If I entertain myself with viewing that which is anti-God and contrary to his word, I allow the spirit of these things to cling to me. I cannot fellowship with that which is not in harmony with the word of God without the spirit of that thing clinging to me to some degree. I give it permission when I set it before my eyes. When I make a conscious decision to do that, I give it permission to cling to me. Eventually, what clings to me will begin to affect how I see things, how I feel about things, how I experience things, how I react to things, how I prioritize things, etc. And I don't even realize the impact of it. Again, that word evil or wicked was influence, influence. What I've said it over and over again. What my eyes dwell on, I will desire to have, do, and to be. What my eyes dwell on. For years, uh, a cigarette company had a cowboy on the back of a horse, all with his duster on and his hat pulled down, sitting on a the crest of a, a hill or a mountain uh, with grasslands, uh, uh, covering him and down into the valleys and whatever, and and he was the Marlboro man, and and the idea was you smoke this cigarette and this is who you'll be, or you pop the top on this brand of beer, and your life will suddenly become full of gusto. That's not influencing. Oh, that doesn't affect me, really. Okay, maybe that doesn't affect you, but something does. Something does. For instance, we become conditioned to accept people going out in public dressed immodestly. It's just the way it is. There's nothing wrong with that. It's okay. Really? Really. So they just came to that one day. They just came to that. So when you were a little kid and you took your diaper off and you ran around naked, your parents did, your parents said, oh, that's okay. Yeah, we got company coming. It's okay. Run around without your, your diaper on, or your, your, your pants on. No. What did they do? Put your clothes on. Just put your clothes on. 
So when did we condition ourselves it's okay to do differently than that? We didn't. We didn't condition ourselves. What we watched and therefore also heard, that stuff clung to us. And over time, you know, the devil's not eternal in the sense of he wasn't before all things, but, you know, he doesn't know how little time he's got. And so, hey, he realizes if he's got to go little by little with you to subtly convince you, then he's going to do that. And so he does that. And so he does. I ask you to consider the most basic meaning of the Hebrew word wicked. Again, it means without profit or worthless. Therefore, what I may be seeing could possibly not be evil in and of itself, but if it adds nothing to me in my walk with God, then it is evil in the sense of worthless and unprofitable. But that's not what we're commanded. Peter commanded us, in Second Peter chapter three, verses seventeen and eighteen, to grow in God. Ye that ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. Question if this is not helping me. It's hurting me. Jesus said, if you're not with me, you're against me. If you're not gathering with me, you're scattering abroad. And that goes to principle too. If what we're involved in is not helping me get closer to Jesus, then it's helping me get farther from Jesus. If it's not helping me to have victory in my life, then it is undermining that victory. There's nothing neutral under the sun. Everything has influence. I have to choose what influence I want to have. What influence I don't want to have. So in this light, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, all things are lawful to me. I quoted this earlier, or at least mentioned it earlier. But all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Easy to read version says, all things are allowed, but you, all things are allowed, you say, but not all things are good. All things are allowed, you say, but some things don't help anyone. Then we says, all things are permissible, but not all things are profitable or expedient. All things are permissible, but not all things promote growth in Christian character. That's what the word edify is talking about. It's the Greek word that metaphorically means to found, to found, to establish, to establish. Not you find something, but to found. To establish, to promote growth in Christian wisdom, affection, grace, virtue, holiness, blessedness. To grow in wisdom and piety. All of this is in Thayer's Greek lexicon's definition of the word edify. I'm going to read it again. Metaphorically, to found or establish. It means to promote growth in Christian wisdom, affection, grace, virtue, holiness, blessedness. To grow in wisdom or piety. So that little uh, principle that I gave you. Where you pray and say, Lord, bless me doing this. Bless me watching this. Bless me, you know, and be able to pray and fellowship with him while it's going on. There's the biblical basis for it right there. It, well, is this going to send me to hell? It may not, the Bible may not say thou shalt not on that thing. The question is, is it worth anything? Is it profitable? Is it helping me grow in God? Say, preacher, 
What do you want me to be, a fanatic? No, I just want you to be a biblical Christian. I want to be a biblical Christian. I wish I could tell you that every day, 24 hours a day, I am. But I'm not. But I want to be. I want to be a biblical Christian. And I would pray that somehow you would want to be. So in his scripture here, Paul declared that anything that does not help us to grow in God is of no profit to us. But what things are we talking about? Okay, What, what, what kind of things could possibly be a problem? Well, let's see. Uh, he discusses some of this uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 9. And I'm going to read several verses here. Okay, But know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Here you go. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. What did Paul just say there? He just said that if this is your habitual lifestyle, if these things are who and what you are, you're not going to be saved. But he didn't leave us there. He said, and such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So what was doesn't have to always be. Whatever I have been a part of or imprisoned by, I can be, I don't have to be a part of it or, and or I can be set free from it. And such were some of you. Such were some of you. Isn't it amazing that every one of these things that are mentioned here have the eyesight somehow connected with them? Fornicators commit fornication with somebody they've never seen. Idolaters are worshiping idols they've never seen. Adulterers are not attracted to someone else's wife or husband that they've never seen. Uh, an effeminate person has never uh, seen the act described here. Uh, the abusers of themselves and mankind have never seen the, those who participate in that and desire to be a part of it. Uh, thieves, they steal what they've seen. The covetous, that is exactly what covetous is. I've seen what you've got and I want it. Drunkards, uh, they've seen the the, the life of the party, and they want to have that revilers. That's exactly what that is. That is the partying spirit right there. And uh, and and no, no, I'm sorry. That's not that's not revelers, is it? That's revilers. Uh, that's seeing somebody do something that you don't like, and you revile them for it. Extortioners is you've got something I want, and I'm going to blackmail you to get it because I saw you had it. All of this has to do with the eyes, all of that. But such as, and such were some of you. That's the good news. Such were some of you. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but not, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Now, if it's not edifying, 
I want to be under the power of that which will edify me. I want to surrender myself to God who can edify me and make me what he wants me to be. So he is talking about things, not God. And he's saying, I'm not going to discuss with you uh, individual things. For instance, he says in verse 13, meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. In other words, okay, whether you eat meat or not, that's not the issue here. God's going to destroy both of them. (laughs) So the issue is, uh, can I do this and still go to heaven? Can I do this, do this and still be saved? Is that really the criteria for your walk with God? Is it really? But here's what he said. I will not be brought under the power of any. Uh, a man of God told me recently, he said, uh, our youth pastor, uh, called our young people to fast. And he asked them to go, I think it was three days, uh, and fast one day at a time. I mean, eating one meal a day for three days. And the youth pastor told the pastor, uh, I didn't get any kind of negative response out of that at all. No problem. But when he asked them to fast from social media and from the Internet, and from texting, all kind of negative feedback from that. Right. Why? Because they're under the power of it. Under the power of it. When the scripture says, casting all your cares upon him because he careth for you. Why do I cast? I don't want to be under the power of my cares. And I don't want my cares to turn to fears. So I cast those on God. I don't want to be under the power of it. I don't want to be under the power of things. I don't want to be under the power of activities. I don't want to be under the power of entertainment. I don't want to be under the power of possessions. I don't want to be under the power of a job. I only want to be submitted to God himself. That's edifying. That's what's edifying. So I'll continue reading here. He said, verse 13, Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Now, obviously, fornication is not lawful. So when he said, all things are lawful for me, he wasn't talking about doing things that the Word of God says specifically is sin. So he's talking about things here that are not sinful by principle or by specific declaration of the Word of God. So everything the Word of God doesn't specifically say, uh, what about the principle? Does the principle of God apply? So if it doesn't apply, for instance, uh, the Bible doesn't say I can't eat chocolate. But I have been at times in my life where I had to acknowledge to myself I was addicted to chocolate, and especially sweets, preferably chocolate sweets. I had to have it. I would bypass good food for chocolate. I'd go to a a buffet, and I'd go straight to the the dessert bar and eat my fill of desserts. And if I wasn't, if if I had any room left, then I'd eat some of the other stuff. And we laughed about it, whatever. But that was my preference, my choice. I wanted that. I was under the power of that. I was under the power of it. 
Now, I get hungry, I need to eat. I get thirsty, I need to drink. I get sleepy, I need to sleep. But that is a part of life. But any of those things, I can give myself to them to where they take they have power over me. That is not pleasing to God. And what I'm trying to do here right now is talking about what Paul talked about in that verse and the one I quoted earlier, all things are lawful for me. There that's that's qualified. It's not it's not blanket. Okay? So uh again, uh Verse 13 again, now the body is not for fornication, but the but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord and also raised us up uh, by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now here's a very important point. If I, the word of God says, and I will be talking about this in greater depth later on in one of the lessons, but the word of God says that if his, if I choose to do things his word says are wrong and have pleasure in them that do them, my soul is in serious jeopardy. So I can possibly not commit a sin by act, but take pleasure in somebody else committing that sin. And I become a partner in that sin in my mind, in my heart, in my soul, in my spirit, in my relationship with God. Because I took pleasure out of someone else sinning. And then, oh, that lets me say, well, I don't do that. No, I may not do the act physically. But if I am partnering with someone, I mean, there are, there are video games that are nothing but killing. I'm assuming people play those games for pleasure. If you're taking pleasure in killing people, how in the world does that edify you? And then the hours that some people play video, are they not under the power of that? And they've set that before their eyes. And yeah, there are some video games like Call of War, which I've never played. But I'm assuming that means they put the killing in a context which morally you can approve of because I'm killing the enemy, defending my country, whatever, whatever. I'm sorry. That is such a weak argument, and it falls completely apart when I take pleasure in killing because I know people that have been in war and killed people, and I have virtually never met anybody in my life that had to kill in combat 
that took pleasure out of it. Now, they may have rejoiced that they didn't die, but you don't rejoice over killing somebody else. You don't rejoice over that. So how, how, how can it be edifying? How can it draw me closer to Jesus when if I'm watching something that honors evil, that shows evil in a positive light, that takes people who do wrong and immoral things and makes heroes out of them? How how can I do that? How can I accept that that's of God, that that's positive? How can I? If I do that, I have deceived myself. And I'm now not just... I now don't just have the eye that does that sees double where I'm seeing what God's saying and seeing what the, the flesh is showing me. But now when I begin to justify what I'm seeing and say it's okay, I've now moved into a realm of deception, hopefully not yet delusion, so that somehow God can rescue me from my deception. Because once I get into delusion, I believe a lie. That lie becomes the truth to me. And how do you repent for a lie that you believe with everything in your being is, is, uh, is true? You cannot. You cannot. So, again, if something's not bringing me closer to God, it's taking me farther away from God. If something is not enabling me to grow in God, it's causing me to regress in God. If something's not making me more sensitive to the Spirit of God, then it's making me dull, progressively more dull to the Spirit of God. And all of this seems to start with the eyes. And the most innocent choices of what I do with my eyes and what I let my eyes see. In Jesus' name, somehow, some way, I pray that the Lord will help you and me and every person watching this lesson or who will ever watch this lesson, that somehow our love for him and our desire to love him according to the greatest commandment with the whole of our heart, the whole of our soul, the whole of our mind, the whole of our strength, that our desire for him to enable us to love him like that so that we are fulfilling the greatest commandment that would work in us to bring us to that place that we can at least pray, God, help me. God, help me to desire you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, at least to pray that way. I ask God to do this to you and for you and upon your house in Jesus' name. I pray that your house and my house would be sanctified, of everything that is contrary to God so that when we come to the to the, the the churches to a worship service where the church gathers together and fellowships with God we don't have to come in there and try to get our spirit clean and get our mind clean and get our eyes uh, purged of what they've been watching so that we can be a part of the spirit and see what God wants to do and so that we can be used of God and see our friends and family and the lost of this world saved I pray that you and I would allow him to do that for us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.